Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. I get joy just thinking about what he's done for me. I get joy just thinking about what he's done for me. It's in my hands, my feet. I'm talking about what he's done for me. I get joy just thinking about what he's done for me. Joy just thinking about what he's done for me, I get joy just thinking about what he's done for me. Amen, amen. God bless you, children of God. I do greet each of you once again in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ, our strength and our Redeemer. We thank God today for his presence. We thank God today for his power. I pray that the Lord is blessing you very well wherever this broadcast is finding you. For those of you worshiping with us for the first time, I am Apostle Robert Bryant, pastor of the Christian Center Church Worldwide, headquarters, Kinston, North Carolina, USA, and I'd like to welcome you once again to another edition of Living the Word, where sound doctrine is brought to the ears of thousands of God's people all over the world. We do pray that God is blessing you very, very well. Prophet Napoleon, Dr. Innocent, God bless you, my brothers. Glad to have your support and your presence with us today. Uh, for those of you that have been worshiping with us, we have been dealing with a topic that the Lord had placed in my spirit. And, and this is something that uh, all of us have to guard against because as saved as we are and as sanctified and as filled with the Holy Spirit as we may be, there is still a thing called flesh that we must deal with. We have two natures within us, even as children of God that are battling one another. One good nature or the new nature, one bad, na uh, one bad nature or the old nature. They are warring 
with each other, right within us as children of God. And one of the aspects of the flesh, now you often hear about the flesh, is dealing with the part of us that came into this world, the part of us that is in rebellion to God, the part of us that does not want to do what God says, the part of us, the old man versus the new man. So here we are, children of God, constantly dealing with these two natures that are within us. The Apostle Paul said it like this in Galatians, so I say live by the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the sinful nature or the flesh. For the Spirit desires what is contrary to the sinful nature and the sinful nature what is in what is contrary to the Spirit. They are in conflict. You and I, children of God, we are walking conflicts. We got the spirit saying this, this, and this. We got the old nature or the flesh saying this, this, and this. And here we are in the middle. Here our soul is in the middle, making choices and making decisions every day based on one of two natures. My prayer for you, just like my prayer for me, is we will walk by the Spirit so that we do not fulfill the desires or the lust of the sinful nature. But one aspect of this sinful nature Jesus dealt with during his earthly ministry was the aspect known as hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is just another work of the flesh. Uh, the scripture tells us that man, me and you, meaning mankind, womankind, children, says we are deceivers by nature. So understand in our first nature or in our unregenerated nature, we are deceivers, supplanters, tricksters. As God is working in us, working on us, working through us, he is working to bring us out of the old nature, the old characteristics, the old habits, and bring us into the new. The scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. So God is working on you working on me to bring us completely out of sin. Now, we know that we are not there yet. 
You know, the Bible says if we claim we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So as far as God may have brought us and is bringing us, we are not completely out of this thing called sin as far as committing it. Now, our relationship with Christ has saved us from it. So you and I are saved from sin, even though at times we still commit sin. Why? Because God is perfecting us. Always keep in mind, child of God, and I know that it is confusing for some children of God, but remember that we are works in progress. Uh, you know, what the Lord is flashing in my spirit is a painting that the artist is working on. You can look at a painting that the artist is working on or a sculpture that the artist, the sculptor is working on. Well, you know it is not where it started, but you know that it is not finished. When an artist starts a painting, he starts with a blank canvas. And he starts working. And then eventually he finishes. When a sculptor starts sculpting, he starts with a block of granite or a block of marble. Then he starts working. Then eventually he will finish. You and I, child of God, we are works in progress. If God is the sculptor or God is the painter, he is working on you and working on me. And you say, well, Apostle, what is the finished product? What is the end game? Where, where is God taking us? What is God trying to do with us? He's trying to bring us, and his plan is to bring us into the perfection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, we're going to be just like Jesus. Rest assured, my brother and my sister, keep moving with God. Keep moving toward righteousness, in righteousness, for righteousness. We're going to be just like Jesus. So, God is working. God is working. Christ came to do the works of the Father. Well, what what is the main work of the Father? What is the Father trying to do? The Father is trying to make ready a people for himself. He's trying to make ready and he's making ready a people for himself. God, what, what God wants to do is he wants to spend eternity with us, not separated from us because of our sin or separated from us because of death. God loves us. We are his little children. He wants to be with us. But because of sin, but because of unrighteousness, God has had to separate himself from us. This is why he is in heaven 
we are in earth. But through and by our faith in Christ, the gap is being bridged. God is able to reunite, reconnect with the people. Understand this, my brother and my sister. Revelation should be up around verse chapter 21. People think that we're going to go up and spend eternity with God in heaven. Well, the reality, what God is going to do, God is in the new Jerusalem. What's going to happen, God is going to come back and spend eternity with us. Now, we're going to want to take a look at that. Let's look at that. If you would, go to Revelation. Should be twenty one, chapter twenty one. Let me make sure. Revelation chapter 21, a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 21, John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, watch this now, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Look at it carefully, children of God. The new new holy city comes down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed, for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. You say, Apostle, what does it mean? It is not us so much going up to dwell with him as it is God coming back to dwell with us. Ah, what a beautiful time this will be. The new Jerusalem or the holy city comes down out of heaven. And now the dwelling of God. In other words, the place where God lives. See, what is going on right now, my brother and my sister, The dwelling of God now is in heavenly realms. The dwelling of God now is in heavenly realms. Man sinned in the garden eons ago. God had to separate from man. Because of man's sin. But once everything is restored and back like it should be, 
the dwelling of God will be back among men. The scripture says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. God is going to come back and dwell with us. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Verse 5 says, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So, understand this, my brother and my sister. The only reason why God had to dwell somewhere other than with us was because we sinned. And because of sin, God had to separate himself. Well, once sin is taken care of, once sin is dealt with properly and completely, God will be able to come back and dwell with us. Praise the living God. Now, we want to look, children of God, at... uh, hypocrisy the aspect of the flesh known as hypocrisy now now understand something about the flesh the flesh has many different dimensions just like righteousness there's a lot of things that you and I can do righteously we can be righteous In our finances, we can be righteous. In our treatment of one another, we can be righteous. In our uh, relationships, in our marriage, we can be righteous. In our treatment of our kids, righteousness can take on a lot of different shapes. But so can sin. In other words, so can the flesh. The flesh can take on many different Appearances. Hypocrisy is just an appearance of the flesh. Covetness is an appearance of the flesh. Murder is an appearance of the flesh. There is so much in the flesh. There is so much sin that we can get into. And there is so much righteousness that we can get into. Our challenge as people of God is choosing consciously to come out of the flesh and its many different dimensions and walk in righteousness with its many different dimensions. Now, hypocrisy. When we talk about uh, hypocrisy or hypocrite, 
we're talking about a false appearance. A false appearance of virtue or a false appearance of goodness while concealing or hiding the real character. Now, this is one of the main tools that the adversary uses in the church or among the people of God. Um, as children of God, many of us have gotten away from certain things that were done in the early church. Uh, and I'm just waiting for the Lord as he's as he's sharing this with me. And my hope and my prayer for every one of you under the sound of my voice, some pastors, bishops, elders, overseers, is that uh, we can begin to get back to uh, these things. But there are certain aspects of the early church that many of us have gotten away from today. Uh, one thing the Lord has in my spirit immediately is everyday worship. When the church was first established, the saints met and worshipped uh, every day. Many churches don't meet today every day. In the early church, individuals that got saved or came to know the Lord, they confessed their sins openly. When they came to the Lord, they confessed, oh, I was a homosexual, oh, I was a thief, oh, I was a... They confessed their sins openly. Uh, in their today's church, you don't see that as much. In the early church, the early saints... Uh, shared everything they had, not just a tithe, not just an offering. The Bible says they had all things in common, which means they shared everything they had. You don't see this as much in today's church. You say, Apostle, why? What is the purpose of all of this? All of this is happening and being done so that the adversary who is working to break us up, who's working to separate us, is working to have us uh, fighting and, and, and disagreeing and arguing with each other, it, it, all of this is happening that the adversary may slip hypocrisy into the body of Christ. My prayer for every one of you under the sound of my voice is that we will resist hypocrisy and we will come against hypocrisy in the name of Jesus. Again, hypocrisy is the false appearance of virtue or goodness. Now, this was the same problem that Jesus dealt with during his earthly ministry. He called a number of individuals hypocrites. What was he saying? In other words, you appear righteous, you appear virtuous, you appear good, 
but you are concealing your real character. You're concealing your real inclinations. You're concealing your real moral status. This is why children of God, one of the things that we have to get back to in the body of Christ is the confession of our sins. Early saints, they made it a regular practice to confess their sins. Today's church, if if you are not careful, individuals will be deceived by the adversary into believing that they don't have any sins. You know, but the reality is we still do. You know, we are not perfect yet. This was the problem that Jesus ran into with the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the scribes, their appearance of righteousness while not dealing with or acknowledging their issues. You say, Apostle, what does that mean to me? That means that as pastors, we got issues. We got sins. As prophets, as evangelists, as bishops and elders, overseers, we got issues that need to be confessed and need to be addressed. If not, if we do not confess and address our sins, then we slip into the category of hypocrites. Watch what the Spirit of the Lord has for us. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to focus in on verse 5. Matthew chapter 7. with a special focus on verse 5. From the New International Version, our scripture reads, Jesus said, You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Once again, Jesus said, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We're still working from our theme. You hypocrites. You hypocrites. Let us pray. Father in Jesus mighty name. We do thank you, Father. We do praise you. We do worship you. You are very good to us. We acknowledge your sovereignty. We acknowledge your power. We acknowledge your supremacy. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for this is the day that you have made. We are rejoicing. We are glad in it. Father, as your people have gathered together this day from the four corners of the earth, 
May you speak to me, through me, and for me, that your people may be blessed. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for your compassion. Thank you, Father, for your chastisement. Because you have told us in your word, you chasten those whom you love. Father, forgive us as we have thought, spoke, and acted in ways that were not pleasing in your sight. We humbly ask, Father, that you continue to lead and guide us in your paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And may all that is said and done in this house of worship today, may your name, which is above all other names, gain the glory, the honor, and the praise. This is our prayer. We count these and all other blessings done in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Let God's people say, Amen. Amen and Amen. You hypocrites. You hypocrites. Jesus our Lord and our Savior. He was something else, children of God. Jesus was 100% man and he was 100% God. He was God in the likeness of sinful man. He had everything in him that we have in us except for sin. He walked, he talked, he breathed, went to the bathroom, ate food, did everything that we do as human beings, but he never sinned. One thing the Lord shared with me some years ago, and it was a blessing to my soul, and I pray that it's a blessing to yours as I'm going to share it today. You read about many emotions that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ experienced. He got angry, even though it was not man's anger which the Bible tells us does not achieve the righteous life that God desires. You know, he he wept. He went through so many of the emotions that you and I experience as human beings. But one thing, my brother and my sister, that you will never read about our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I've gone through Genesis to Revelation, and you never read where our Lord and our Savior was afraid. 
And I want to encourage you today, children of God, just as Jesus encouraged us thousands of years ago, I echo his sentiment. Do not be afraid. Jesus, we never read about, even with the very real possibility of going on the cross, even with the very real um, possibility of being crucified, you never read where our Lord and our Savior was afraid. And I want to encourage you, child of God, because this is one of the main things that the adversary will use on you and use on me to keep us from doing what God wants us to do, thereby keeping us from the blessing of God. You say, Apostle, what does that mean? It means that oftentimes, my brother and my sister, Your greatest blessing from God, my greatest blessing from God, is on the other side of you and I getting courage and pushing through and pushing past what we are afraid of or what wants to try and cause us fear. The nation of Israel's great blessings in the days of King David, was when the Israelite soldiers got over their fear of the Philistine army. Goliath had the Israelite soldiers afraid and intimidated, and they were, uh, God was not pleased with them. They were not walking in the covenant promises and the covenant blessings of God. But once that spirit of fear was broken, once David killed Goliath, the rest of the Israelite soldiers got courage to fight. They had been running away from Goliath, running away from the Philistines. But once David killed Goliath, the rest of the soldiers, The rest of the army of God got courage to fight the Philistines, and they were granted a great victory. I want to encourage you today, child of God. Victory is yours in the name of Jesus. That thing that is causing you fear, that thing that is intimidating you, that thing, it it is no match for the God that is within you. And inside of me, I want to encourage you, child of God. God has given us victory over all the works of the adversary. God has given us victory. God has given us power. I want to encourage you, child of God. You have the power over poverty. You have the power over sickness. Now, it may take a while to manifest. It took David some time to to kill Goliath. It took David some time to come down to the battlefield. The Bible says, talks about how many many days and many nights Goliath was uttering his usual defiance against the armies of Israel. 
See, it, it took some time to overcome what was causing the nation of Israel problems. It may take you and me some time, but I want to encourage you and let you to know today, child of God, that just as when the time was right, David slew Goliath, that when the time is right, you and I are going to slay whatever is intimidating and causing us problems. Jesus was never afraid. They would be on the boat, the disciples. Storms would come up, furious storms, waves sweeping over the boat, almost swamping the boat. Jesus would be downstairs sleeping on a cushion. The disciples would be running around. Master, don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus would get up and simply rebuke the winds and the waves. And the Bible says it would become completely calm. My prayer for you today, child of God, there are some of you under the sound of my voice that you are just like the storm. The storm is raging and you are raging too on the inside. The storm is blowing all over the place and you are running all over the place. My prayer for you today is that God will bring a spirit of calm. Praise the living God. I encourage you today. Let God calm you down. The Spirit of God is never rattled, so you and I should never be rattled. The Spirit of God is never afraid, so you and I should never be afraid. Whatever the Spirit of God is not, my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that we be not. Anytime I get afraid, I get afraid sometimes, you know, I'm flying all over the Atlantic Ocean, going to Europe and going to different parts of Africa and India, China and all kinds. Sometimes I'll be up in those planes and the planes will start, uh, you know, maybe strong gusts of wind or would hit some turbulence and the plane is is behaving strangely and the natural man gets afraid. You know, but God wants you and I to deal with our fears. You know, he wants us to be reminded and to rest assured that he's got us. In life, God says, I got you. In death. God says, I got you. So I encourage you, my brother and my sister, let us trust God more. And he will settle us down. He will calm us down. See, you read about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Never worried you know, 
And when he faced the cross, you know, he went through some things. But our Lord and Savior, you know, he knew what God had in store for him. And my prayer for each of us is that we will know what God has in store for us. God has a kingdom prepared for us since before the foundations of the earth. God has prepared for us bodies that no longer experience pain, that no longer experience sickness, that no longer experience death. God has prepared for us a place where the wicked will cease from troubling. God has good things prepared for you and for me. We just got to trust him. We've got to believe and we've got to walk in obedience to his commands. Now, Jesus, we've got to take a look at this. Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, we've got one of the most misunderstood group of scriptures in the New Testament. In other words, children of God, you've got individuals that because of a twisting of the scripture, and there's many scriptures that have been twisted. I, I don't have time to go into them all right now. But because of the twisting of this particular scripture, the adversary has been allowed to have a field day. Because of the twisting of these scriptures, the adversary has been allowed to have a field day. You say, Apostle, what do you mean? You have many children of God today. Some of you may even be guilty of this. I was once guilty of this, but you're going to walk away today with a revelation. Many children of God today believe that we are not supposed to judge. And they use this scripture as fuel for this belief. Bible says, judge not, lest thou also be judged. For with the same measure you use, it will be used unto you. The Bible says, judge not. This end of many individuals have taken this scripture out of context and have allowed the adversary a field day in the lives of many believers. As you look at God's word, the Bible says that 
his word is fitly joined. In other words, there's a certain way that God's word must be put together in order to fit, much like a jigsaw puzzle. Thousands of pieces in a jigsaw puzzle. But when you're putting a jigsaw puzzle together, there's only one place that that piece goes. And and in order to have the full picture, the correct picture, you got to put all the pieces together in the right place. So it is with God's word. This is one of the reasons why we study every day. This is one, one of the reasons why the early saints studied every day, so we can make sure the pieces of God's word are placed in the right place. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge or you too will be judged. But then it goes on to say, Born the same way you judge others. In other words, Jesus is talking about you and me judging others. Jesus said, don't do that. Don't you judge. Robert Bryant, don't you judge. But God says, I am the judge. I can judge. We're not to judge, but God is to judge. Well, the apostle, we shouldn't judge then. No, we shouldn't in and of ourselves. But the God that is in us, uh-oh, somebody's getting a revelation in here today. The God in us judges is to judge everything. Listen to that word. Let me, let me go over it again. Now, some, some people didn't get this. Jesus said, do not judge. He's talking to us. He said, oh, you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others. He's talking about, he says, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be used to you. Now, when you go down here, he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Pay no attention to the plank that's in your eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Here's where Jesus explains who and what type of judging he was talking about. He was talking about hypocritical judging. When you and I judge, it's hypocritical. It's based on all kinds of things that are not in line with the will and the ways of God. When, you know, I was watching a program on last night. They were talking about prisons in Germany versus prisons in the United States. Now, in the United States, we have a picture of prisons how they're supposed to be run, what what is going on in prison, what needs to be done to the inmates. We have a picture in our mind. Well, the Germans do things totally different. They have a lot less people in prison. A lot more of their inmates get rehabilitated. A lot of, lot of things are happening 
a lot better. You say, Apostle, why do you say this? Well, if we use our system or our mindset of prisons to affect how we see what the Germans are doing, we may not be able to to learn from them and gain benefits from them because we're using our judgment. We're using what we think a prison should be, how we think a prison should go. This is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, look, judging is not to be based on what you think, based on what you feel. All of us have a culture, and that's just a way a group of people does a thing. There's one culture here. There's another culture in in Ghana. There's another culture in Nigeria. There's another culture in Europe. There's another culture in China. Every country I go in, every group has a culture. Well, Jesus is saying, look, get all of that out of the way. You don't use that to judge. You go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. Watch this now. We're going to take a look at something. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse, should be verse 15. The Apostle Paul writes Corinthian saints. Look at what the Bible says from the New International Version. It says, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. Let me read that again. The person with the spirit. Now, you say, Apostle, it sounds like a contradiction. No, it's no contradiction. We talked yesterday yesterday about knowing your dispensation. The people of Jesus' day were not the people of Paul's day. Jesus was born under the law. He lived under the law. He died under the law. He rose again from the dead under the law. He ascended back to heaven under the law. Acts chapter 2. Once Jesus ascended back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, which began, which took the people of God out of the dispensation of Jesus and took them into the dispensation of the church age, took them out from under the law and took them under grace. This is now what is written to us. Jesus was talking to the people of his day who did not have the Holy Spirit. He told them, don't judge because you're not equipped. See, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You know, so their judging was hypocritical. Their judging was self-righteous. 
now, Paul says, look, now I'm talking to men and women who have now received the Holy Spirit of God. That is you and that is me. We have the Spirit of God. We are to judge all things. Now, if you are running around thinking we are not to judge, then the adversary can just do anything in your marriage, in your ministry, in your finances, in your country, in your house. And you thinking, don't judge, don't judge. But an individual that has an understanding, so wait a minute. Since I've got the spirit, capital spirit, Holy Spirit of God in me, I'm supposed to be judging all things. That means what is being preached from your pastor, judge it. That means what is being said by your so-called friend, judge it. That means what it does man or the person with the Holy Spirit makes judgments about all things. I encourage you today, child of God. This is how we are able to spot and able to stop the adversary, make judgments. Let the spirit of God make a judgment. And the spirit of God is either saying one or two things about it, whatever it is. The spirit of God is either saying that is from God or the spirit of God is saying that is not from God. See, this is this is how false false prophets, false teachers, false apostles are able to do so much damage in the lives of God's people. As many of them are, are thinking that we, we're not supposed to make a judgment. So that just means they can just do anything, say anything. But when you understand that because we have the spirit of God, I'm judging everything you say, prophet. I'm judging everything you say, apostle. I'm judging everything you say, everything. The spirit, the person with the spirit, with the Holy Spirit makes judgments about all things. God has called us as children of God, filled with his spirit, to use the spirit of God to make judgments about all things. This is how false doctrine has gotten into so many places. False teachers, false prophets, and all kinds of foolishness, individuals, Taking your money and cheating you out of money and doing this, all this, all all of this. So I want to encourage you, child of God. Use the spirit that God has placed within you. God has not placed his spirit within you and within me for us not to use him. It's almost like uh, what the Lord is showing me in my spirit. Uh, the book the Bible says in the book of Romans, talking about obeying authorities or obeying um, 
our earthly earthly authority. He says, the scripture says, he bears not the sword for nothing. Talking about, uh, at that time, the Roman soldiers would carry the sword in case you, as a citizen, were causing some disturbance or causing the problem. He would use that sword on you. Paul writes, for he bears not the sword for nothing. In other words, he's not carrying that sword around for nothing. If you misbehave or you just don't want to listen or don't want to do what is right, that sword will be used on you. Well, as children of God, we are not carrying the Holy Spirit or we have not been given the Holy Spirit for nothing. We have been given the Holy Spirit to make judgments about all things. But the scripture says, but we ourselves as children of God, we are not subject to any man's judgment. God has given us his spirit so that we can make judgments the proper judgments, through and by his spirit. Not merely human judgments. The Bible says the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. In other words, what the world say about us, we don't have to be concerned about. But what we say about the world, they better be concerned about. Lord keeps taking me back to Noah. Noah had relationship with God, a revelation from God. What Noah had to say about his generation, what what the people of Noah's day said about Noah didn't matter. Oh, some say, ah, you know, Noah crazy building that ark, drunk, this, that didn't really matter what the people said about Noah. But what Noah said about the people and about what God was going to do to the people, they needed to listen to that. So, as children of God, you know, what the world say about us, eh, don't really matter that much. They don't have the spirit of God. But you and I, because we have the spirit of God, what we say about the world, they better listen to. Noah told the world, said, God, get me to destroy this, this world. They saying, Noah, you're crazy. Noah, you're drunk. Made no difference. Noah saying, God, getting ready to destroy this world. Now, somebody's lying. And let me give you a hint, children of God. It wasn't God's prophet. Today, somebody's lying. You got the world saying, ah, there is no God. Or the world saying, ah, the church is not for real. Or you got people saying, ah, all they want is money. All they want. Yeah. But then you got God's true prophets, true apostles that are saying, Jesus Christ is coming back soon. You and I need to get ready. Somebody's lying. And I'm going to give you a hint. Just like it was not God's prophet thousands of years ago, found out Noah was telling the truth, is not God's prophets, true prophets today, 
who are saying and preaching that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. So, child of God, you and I have the spirit of God. We are supposed to make judgments about all things. But we, we are not subject to any man's judgment. We're not subject. Does it mean we're perfect? Nope. Does it mean we do everything right? Nope. Does it mean we dot every I and cross every T? Nope. Nope. We are not subject to any man's judgment. We are subject to our Heavenly Father's judgment. So, let's get ready to close, children of God. We don't, we, we, we're out of time. So, Jesus says in verse 5, you hypocrite. Remember the time that Jesus spoke these words. Remember the people Jesus spoke these words to. Jesus saying one thing under the law, but now the Spirit of God is speaking another thing under grace through the Apostle Paul. Same Spirit speaking, just at different times. This was under the law. Second Corinthians, First Corinthians 2 and 15 was under grace. God says different things at different times. Keep that in mind, children of God. God says different things at different times. You do. I do. You think about your son or your daughter. You said one thing to that son or daughter when they were a little bitty child. You know, maybe you told your son, you can't cross the street when he was one or two years old. You can't cross the street by yourself, son. What are you doing? But when he gets to be 21 or 22, you allow him to cross the street by himself. What? You're saying a different thing at a different time. Why? Because of changes that have taken place in the young man or the young woman. Well, God does the same thing with us. There are certain things God was telling us we can't do at one stage that, that he is now saying we can do because of our maturity, because of our growth, because things have changed. At this time, men and women did not have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, do not judge. No, no, you all don't have the Holy Spirit. But later on, 1 Corinthians 2. 15, men and women, the church in Corinth, these saints have received the Holy Spirit. Paul said, you got to make judgments about all things. Jesus said, you hypocrites, without the Holy Spirit, the best we can do is be hypocrites. Jesus said, you hypocrites, first take the plank out of your own eye. What is the What is one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit? To remove planks from our eyes. In other words, let us see ourselves clearly. Jesus said, look, you all can't see yourself clearly. You got a plank in your own eye. But once you get that removed, he's again talking about the work that the Holy Spirit will do. Once you get that plank out of your own eye, then you can see clearly to remove the speck. 
from your eyes. Once you and I allow God to deal with us, with, uh, with our sins, with our flaws, with our faults and shortcomings, let God really deal with you and me concerning you and me. Then we can see clearly to deal with our brothers and our sisters. Then we can have the compassion that is needed. When we realize that we got sin too, then we won't be so hard on our brother or our sister because they have sinned. When we realize that we have shortcomings and faults and failures, then we won't be so hard on our brother and our sisters that have shortcomings and faults and failures. So I encourage you, children of God. Let the Holy Spirit take the plank out of our eyes. You know, let the Holy Spirit deal with us individually regarding us individually. Then we can see clearly to remove the speck from our brother's eye. Then we can really help one another with a spirit of compassion, with a spirit of grace, with a spirit of long-suffering. Jesus said, don't give to the dogs what is sacred. God, God, some people, God looks at them as like dogs. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. There's some people that God looks at as dogs, dog-like character, pig-like character. Say, if you do, they'll trample them on the foot and turn and tear you to pieces. There, there are certain people that and this is what hypocrisy will do inside of you and inside of me if we don't deal with it properly. My prayer for every soul under the sound of my voice is that we will deal properly with hypocrisy so that God can clean us all up. The reality is, my brother and my sister, we all need cleansing of something. You know, what what you're struggling with might not be what I'm struggling with, and what I'm struggling with might not be what he's struggling with. But the reality is, we all struggling with a common denominator called sin. Maybe different aspects, but we all struggling with some aspect of sin. And as we allow God to take the plank out of our own eye, you know, realizing, first of all, that we got a plank in our own eye, realizing some stuff, a plank, you know, in your eye hinders your sight. In other words, it'll stop you from seeing some things. Jesus said, take the plank out of your own eye. 
realize that it's some things that you're not seeing, that I'm not seeing. Then we can see clearly the Holy Spirit, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to help you and I see clearly. May God bless us with clarity of sight today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, then you will see clearly. To remove, see. So our job now, children of God, we, we got to remove some things. See. Once God brings us clarity to our sight, once God deals with us and we allow God to remove some things in our lives and remove some things in our mind and remove some things, remove some things, then we have to start working to remove some things from our brother's eye with a spirit of compassion, with a spirit of grace, with a spirit of love, with a spirit of tenderness. Listen, child of God, all of us going through something. All of us are going through something. All of us are struggling with something. Yes, and people say, oh, I remember when I was a young Christian, I used to think my bishop, he was so smooth all clean, dressing, looking good, preaching good. I remember thinking, you know, Bishop must not be going through what I'm going through. Lust of the flesh and lust of the eye and pride of life. And, you know, but then I got to be a bishop and I found out, yeah, yes, yes, we are. I got to be an apostle and I found out, yes, yes we are. We struggle and, and have things that we dealing with just like any other Christian. We got problems too. As apostles, as prophets, as evangelists, as pastors, as teachers. I, I, I found out, yes, we do. Yes, we do. So understand, my brother and my sister, that the anointing does not make an individual exempt from the sufferings that are associated with this world. No matter, no matter how anointed you are, you have to go through something in this thing called life. But I want to encourage every one of you, children of God, we have the victory in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You have the victory. Are we going through some things? Yes, we are. Are we experiencing some hurtful things, some disappointing things, some confusing things? Yes. But I'm here to let you to know, child of God, we have the victory in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. Children of God, I'm going to have to go. I got to rest myself a little bit as I have poured out. I have poured out. Uh, preaching is not, preaching and teaching God's word is not uh, the easiest of things in the world as you have to uh, empty yourself 
allow God to uh, use you as a vessel. You got to hear from God. You got to process information and share that with his people. But I pray that God's people have been blessed today. I pray that um, someone has heard something that has edified them, strengthened and encouraged them to go on with the Lord. Now listen to me, children of God. Our redemption draweth nigh. We are a day closer today to meeting the Lord face-to-face. We're a day closer today than we were yesterday. So let us uh, get ready. Let us get ready. Our eternity will be on display. Our eternity, we're going to have to spend, God is going to make a determination regarding where we are going to spend eternity. My prayer for every one of you is that we will spend it together in the presence of God and of the angels. This is Apostle Robert Bryant, pastor of the Christian Center Church, Worldwide Headquarters, Kinston, North Carolina, USA. Signing out for those of you that want to contribute and help this uh, great ministry that God has allowed us to to serve in. If you want to be of help, go to our church website. Feel free to be a blessing. We will certainly appreciate you. And I'm sure that God will bless you real good. Again, Apostle Brian. Signing out.
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.